we are processing. Yeah. I mean, so much trauma. So everyone listening, please be gentle with yourself. Please do not allow your inner mean girl, that voice inside your head that tells you that you're not doing enough, that you're not perfect enough, that you should use this time to lose, you know, 50 pounds or whatever the case may be. It's like, please don't let that inner mean girl beat you up about what you're doing or what you're not doing. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 332 with guest Amy Ehlers. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no-BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. I am sending you so much love right now. I know that those of you listening, you're in all different places. You might be worried. You might be mostly okay. You might be numbing out more than you're used to. You might be working out more than you usually do. Wherever you are, I'm sending you so much love right now. I have a lot of podcast episodes that were recorded pre-pandemic that are still going to go out, but I do want to, you know, I'm kind of recording new episodes that are timely, that are talking to people that I love and respect and admire in this industry. And we're talking about as things are happening now and how we can help you deal with what's going on right now. My guest is someone that I'm so excited to bring you because she's not only a dear friend of mine, but she is someone who has been a life coach. She's been in this industry longer than I have, which is a long time. I'm just going to be honest with you. Amy Ehlers is here. I re-aired an episode that she she was like on one of my first hundred episodes a long time ago, and I re-aired that episode over the summer. It's episode 293. In that particular episode, we talk about inner wisdom. We talk about inner mean girl triggers, as she calls the inner critic, the inner mean girl. We talked about the need to belong. So I know you're going to love her so much that you're going to want to go and listen to that episode if you missed it. Again, episode 293. And she and I have gotten together. We're doing a free community call for you. We do talk about it later in the in the episode, but I wanted to tell you about it now in case you don't make it to the end. It is our top 10 kick-ass tips for getting your project started, done, or out the door. Amy Ehlers is an author right alongside with me and I've never taught a writing class before and people keep asking me when I'm going to do it. And I'm like, hey, I don't know. But I feel really called to do it right now because I think that writing can be a really fantastic medium for processing and for dealing with what's going on and for healing. So this call is our tips, not necessarily for people who want to who want to write a book or you know do the whole book proposal thing and get a traditional book deal if that's you then this call for sure is for you but if you're someone who wants to start a blog if you're someone who knows that journaling is important you hear about it all the time in personal development but you're like oh I don't know just don't ever get around to it. We're going to talk about that too. So you can head over to wakeupcallcoaching.com slash project and sign up for free. It's April 22nd at three o'clock Eastern time. There will be a recording if you can't make it live, but I would love to see your lovely face there. All right. For those of you that don't know Amy, let me tell you a little bit about her. 
Amy Ehlers is a master women's leadership coach, keynote speaker, and the best-selling author of Big Fat Lies Women Tell Themselves and Reform Your Inner Mean Girl. Amy is on a mission to stop women from self-bullying and from being so darn hard on themselves so they can make their greatest possible contribution. Amy leads a powerful women's leadership incubator called Rise and Lead to help women confidently rise into the income, impact, and contribution they desire and deserve. Amy wholeheartedly believes it's time for women to claim their seat at the leadership table. So without further ado, here is Amy. Amy Ehlers is back on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to be here too, because I think when you were on the first time, which I re-aired in the summer, and you and I hadn't really developed a friendship yet, and we, we have now, and so I'm even more excited to have you on the show because I know even more how wonderful you are, both on a professional and personal level, so we could talk about so many different things, <laughs> and so because you have, you know, you've been like me, you've been doing this for longer than I have and have so many different topics that you could riff on. But I want to start with what you wrote a book about and what is so universally a challenge for, I think, every woman. Yeah. And that's reform, what you like to call reforming your inner mean girl. Yes. So, I mean, start wherever you want with that. But what made you decide to co-author that book? Like, let's start way back then. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because I noticed this pattern over and over and over and over again, especially with women, that no matter how successful, no matter how beautiful, no matter how amazing a woman is, on some level behind the scenes, she is beating herself up. She's being way too hard on herself. She's mm -hmm. putting all this pressure on herself. And I really noticed this theme over these last two decades of coaching. And I kind of thought that when I started working with women that were more high level, had more money, more success, had the house, had the cars, you know, were big wigs at Silicon Valley companies, I thought that this pattern wouldn't be there anymore. Right. But of course, as we know, the internal world often has very little to do with what's going on in the external world. And mm -hmm. I found that no matter who I was sitting across from, no matter how much success they had achieved, there was this inner world thing of being chronically self-bullying. Yeah. And I teamed up with my friend, Christina Rilo, and we did this course called Inner Mean Girl Reform School that we ran for years together as an online program. And then we ended up going out and getting a book deal based on that super popular course of ours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, you, you mentioned you've been doing this for the last two decades and on a micro level over the last two weeks, you know, as we're recording this, we are, I, you know, I hate to say it, but probably in the beginning stages of this global pandemic. Yeah. And what I'm seeing, and tell me, I don't think we've talked about this, you know, offline, is I'm seeing a lot of inspirational, and like, trust me, I'm all for an inspirational post yeah. here and yeah, there, totally. motivational post. But I'm seeing a lot of like, you know, do get in the best shape of your life while you have all this time off and organize your closets and make all these Pinterest desserts. And I'm like, dude, I have the lowest expectations of myself right now. Like That is so, I love that you have low expectations of yourself. And I'm telling all my clients too. Yeah. I like, mean, take naps. dear Lord, have mercy. It's that we are processing so much collective grief. We are processing. Yeah. I mean, so much trauma. So everyone listening, please be gentle with yourself. 
please do not allow your inner mean girl, that voice inside your head that tells you that you're not doing enough, that you're not perfect enough, that you should use this time to lose, you know, 50 pounds or whatever the case may be. It's like, please don't let that inner mean girl beat you up about what you're doing or what you're not doing. Yeah. It's, it's such a time of pressure. I so agree with you. And it's insane. It's, you know, and I, I want to say if you're feeling super motivated, hell yeah, yeah. I go for it. But I, what I'm seeing and I, you know, as I'm talking to my clients and we're messaging back and forth and, you know, I have one client that's like, I'm, I'm barely working from home and I took like a two hour nap today. I feel so exhausted. Why do I feel so exhausted? I'm not even doing anything. I'm like, honey, you are processing so much. You know, she's got two kids at home. She's a single mom. I'm like, you're processing so much. And I, I think like people's survival has just kicked in yeah. and that's exhausting. It's like frying your circuit board nervous system. It is. And when you look at the brain science behind it of what happens when we go into the stress response, the fight, flight, or freeze. And I think it's so useful. I'm curious for you, Andrea, like which do you do when you're on the stress response? Do you go into fight? Do you go into flight? Or do you go into freeze? It depends on the situation. Yeah. If it's like a physical thing, like if I'm physically scared, if someone jumps out at yeah, me yeah, yeah. and, you know, I like to think I'm going to start swinging, <laughs> but I'm not that badass. Like I freeze. Yeah, I totally, totally like turn into an animal. Like I'm like, oh, I'm to- I can't even scream. Yeah. But in situations like this, um, I don't know if you would consider it flight. I get very tunnel vision in terms of busyness. Yes. That's my coping mechanism. I'm an overfunctioner. Yes. Ugh. I totally get that. Yeah. And I think for everyone listening, it's like, which one do you go to with this particular trauma that we're in right now? And I think it's interesting for us to just know that we have this way of coping in our brain when trauma happens. And Mm -hmm. so knowing like, oh, that's my flight, like going and taking a nap is me actually sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, me picking a fight with my spouse, with my partner, with my kids is me going into fight or turning on the news and yelling at the TV at whatever press conference you're watching, going into fight, you know, you going like, I just feel completely immobilized and I don't know what to do and I can't start anything and I can't figure out how to homeschool my kids. And like, I have the list, like I have all the sample schedules and I just like completely shut down and freeze up. Like that's you freezing. And that is to be expected during this time. We are in the stress response. But I, but I also just have to say that we also have this thing in our brains called the relaxation response, which is the antidote to this re- stress response, which is about us breathing. This is why just literally taking a few deep breaths can help your nervous system calm down, doing, mm-hmm. you know, meditating, exercising, not because you feel like you need to lose X amount of weights or get in the best shape of your life during the pandemic, but because you're like, I'm going to actually take care of my brain right now. That's a wonderful thing for us to do. Yeah. That's what I've been trying to do. And some days I do it well and other days I don't. And I I think like now more than ever, I'm, I'm honestly looking at this as being very similar to 2016 when I lost my dad. Mm -hmm. And then Three weeks later, it was the presidential election, Ugh. which did not go how I wanted it to go. Yeah. And it was such a, and I had very low expectations of myself during that time. And yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this time as very, very similar. Yeah. You know, if I get out of bed and get dressed and can like serve my clients and like barely do what's on my to-do list, I'm calling that a massive win. I think that's so brilliant. I think that's yeah. so brilliant. And however I need to process. So yeah. it's, you know, writing and talking to my friends and being in community. That's what I'm those are my priorities. I love that. I think that's, it's so important. And when we look at statistically now, we have lost more people 
in the U.S. alone than we did on 9-11 at this point where we've reached that tipping point. So as a country, and whether you live in the U.S. or um, in Italy or in Spain or in China or, you know, wherever you're listening from in Canada, it's like, you know, really understanding that we are grieving big time as a country right yeah. now and as, as a, a human race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's what's really fascinating about it and, and incredibly sad is that this is touching everyone. There's not every natural disaster before us or every problem has been regional right? or, and it's, and it's, no one is immune to this. Mm-mm. And so anyway, yeah. I kind of s- switching gears a little bit, you wrote another book called you say the title because I don't want to say it wrong. Big fat lies women tell themselves. Yes, that's what I that's thought. My it first was. one. I, was yes. like, I didn't want to get it wrong. Your first book. <laughs> and I love how it's it's broken down into work and you know body and personal like motherhood, all these different areas. Yeah. And one of the lies is that you say that women tell themselves is it's too late for me. Yeah. I hear that a lot, especially with women who are our age. Yep. And older. Yes, I know, right? Once you reach midlife, there is this thing of like, okay, well, now I'm past my prime. Um, and that means that I can't start anything new. That can, that means that I can't do that dream project that I have. That means that I can't write And beating book. themselves up for not doing it 10, 15 right. years ago. It's too late for me, that feeling of regret. And I mean, both you and I know that that is such bullshit that right. it right. is never too late. And when we're in a time like this, like a, like a pandemic, obviously all of us have death on our minds, understand that no one here gets out alive as the saying goes, that we all are going to eventually die, hopefully all of us mm-hmm. in a very long time from now, um, in a way that's peaceful and beautiful, God willing, yes. <laughs> God is willing, whatever words work for flowers. you, divine willing. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's time for us to not put things off. It's time for us to say, Actually, it's not too late. And one of the stories I tell in that particular chapter in the book, because each each lie is followed by a truth, a corresponding truth. And I usually tell a story in there, and then there's a coaching exercise, and then there's an inspiring quote and an affirmation. And one of the stories I tell is about this man that at 98 years old decided to learn how to read. He had never read in his life. I'm forgetting his name right now. But I just I heard that story and I was like, Okay, y'all. Like he literally went to kindergarten at 98 years old. The whole class helped him learn how to read. The kindergarten teacher helped him learn how to read. And he ended up, they celebrated him. It was so beautiful. And it was like, if there ever was an inspiration that it's never too late, Mm -hmm. think of this 98 year old man who learned how to read for the first time in his life at 98. Wow. Yeah. I love that story. And what I always tell my clients who are, who are struggling in that place, who are beating them, especially like the beating themselves up for not having done it sooner and having regret. I always really want to acknowledge that. I don't ever want to be dismissive and say, it's not too late and you shouldn't be beating yourself up over it. It's like, of course, I don't want you to beat yourself up before it, but it's okay to sink into the regret. Because I I, I don't know about you, but I hate the saying like, don't have any regrets. Right. And I'm like, fuck, I have, I have a few, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I, I, I'm a big believer too of, of really working on forgiving your past self mm. and no, knowing that you were doing the best that you could right. 15 years ago or 20 that. years ago. Yeah. And I, you know, and it's just, you know, I have a regret that I, I didn't go to Australia. I had the, I had the opportunity to study abroad in Australia 
I was like 30. I was like finishing my bachelor's degree. Wow. And I was dating someone. It was a very dysfunctional relationship and he didn't want me to go. So I stayed. Isn't that so and It doesn't mean I can never, I can, doesn't mean I can never go to Australia again. It just means that I can't go during that time in my life right. when I was young and more carefree and didn't have children yet. And, and I'd always wanted to go and, and I was married to somebody before who never wanted to travel. So it was really a perfect opportunity for me to go. And I, I was later beating myself up for listening to right. a man, you know, right. and, and what was I tolerating? And that was the stupidest decision. And what if I had met some like hot Australian guy, <laughs> <laughs> little Aussie babies, but it's just, and I'm like, you know what? I just, I just let myself feel that regret. Mm-hmm. And it was so much easier for, for me to forgive my 30 year old self who did not have better coping mechanisms at that time. Yeah. It's so funny that you say this because this is so weird. That's one of the biggest things I regret in my life is that I was all set to study abroad in Indonesia when I was in college. And then I ended up not going because of a project and a boy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is so crazy. Isn't that so so funny funny? too? I also think it's funny that you were going to go to Indonesia. Like I imagine you like writing on the back of a (laughs) elephant like meditating <laughs> and like <laughs> like studying with these like gurus and I was going over there to like drink Foster's beer and get laid. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> yeah, I was going over to study um a certain type of dance and theater because I was a drama major. Oh my God. And so I was going over to study this particular type of, of thing and I was like all signed up. I was ready to go. My parents were like kind of beside themselves because they didn't want me going that far away. And then like at the last minute I pulled out. Not funny. Wow. (sighs) Whatever happened to the guy that you were dating? We actually moved in together. We were together for five years. He was my college boyfriend that then after college, we moved in together. And then we broke up after we moved in together. Like we lived together for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah. No, he's a great um, guy, well, but it was not the right relationship. Yeah. Well, not, not it. Not, not it. it. Um, you <laughs> talk about, uh, well, I love that you, you call yourself the wake up call coach <laughs> and I, in your book, in the, um, the, the big fat lies. Yeah. Book, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's like, I think it's the very last chapter when you, one of the lies is, only near-death experiences serve as wake-up calls, right? Which can be a big wake-up call—a near-death experience. Of course, like, holy crap! Of course. But I think it's—I think it's very poignant to what's happening now. And I don't want to be morbid, but like, let's not, you know, pretend Sugar like coated, nothing's yeah. happening. And yeah. so, can you speak to that in regards of what we're all experiencing now? Yeah. Well, I think that oftentimes people feel like the only way that they get stunned awake to what's really happening or aware of who they are or aware of what really matters to them is with something like a near-death experience. But when we look at it, we don't have to be the one in the hospital right now on a respirator to -hmm. really understand what's really, truly important in life. I feel like Mm -hmm. we're all getting that reminder right now. And I also feel like at any moment that we choose, we can actually lean into what is it that I need to wake up to right now? What is it for me to learn right now? What is really important to me? I mean, this is why coaches are so amazing and why yeah. I love the coaching profession so much and why any of your clients are so lucky to have you as their coach, Andrea, because it's like, we don't pull any punches when it comes to that. We remind mm-hmm. our clients of that. We say to them, what is it that's really important to you? What are your values? What are you beating yeah. yourself up about? What have you not forgiven yourself for? What have you not forgiven people in your life? Can we just please move forward and really lean into the depth of what is really important for us 
Yeah. And can we do that soul check-in with ourselves to say, what did I come here to do? What is my soul or whatever word works for you? If the word soul doesn't work, but it's like, what is your soul's message for you right now? What is the world's Mm -hmm. message? I mean, I've seen some interesting writings going on right now of like, here's the message from the pandemic for you. And part of me kind of rolls my eyes. And then if I read them, sometimes there's some really interesting things of, wow, you know, like I posted up on my Facebook wall, you know, imagine this is all over. We're out of quarantine. You're totally We're running free. through the streets towards each yeah, other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what's the first thing that you want to do? And 99% of the people were like, hug, either hug someone, hug my dad, hug my mm-hmm. dog, hug my kids, like go hug my neighbor, whatever it is. And it was like, yeah, the lack of human contact, how much will we not take that for granted again? Yeah. You know, to see my kids mm-hmm. when like my parents have come by, my mom and dad are amazing grandparents and they've come by a few times and dropped off stuff and they'll kind of drop it off on the porch and then wave. And to see my six-year-old like be like, air hug, air hug, you know, it's just like the saddest thing. It is sad. You know, and it's like, well, we won't take that for granted again. I hope not. Yeah. Has you Have you, throughout all of this, I always like to ask, life coaches this. Yeah. Because I think that for the most part, like we do do our own work, but sometimes we can become complacent. You know, we're humans. <laughs> All that I can think of is your shit life coaches say video with you and Smitty. And I'm just, I'm like, what is she going to oh ask me gosh. right now? <laughs> what cheesy, powerful question is she going to ask me? Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know what that is. <laughs> you have to see it. 2012, really. which is like a lifetime ago oh in internet God. years, Amy Smith and I did a video call. It was when the whole trend was going on, yes. like shit yoga teachers yeah, say, yeah, yeah, shit, yeah. you know, be break dancers say, I don't know. <laughs> um, and we did a shit life coaches say, and it, I have to say it was really funny. It, I would do it. I would it stands up to this day and I still, I'm guilty of asking all the questions that you talk about on there. Me too. That's what, that, how else would we come up I with know. that list if we were asking our clients the same thing? Like at oh one gosh. point I'm like, do I have like practicing giving birth and like bearing down with my question, <laughs> with my client. Anyway, all that to ask, yeah. is there anything that this pandemic has brought up for you mm. where you were like, if I was on a respirator, would I regret anything? Or do you feel like you have lived your life to the fullest? This is a great question. Um, Well, first of all, I feel so clear that I'm so not ready to go. I feel like it's one of those things of like, A, you know, I have a six-year-old, I have a 12-year-old. Like, I want to see these, they're both girls and identify as girls and they both are, like, I want to see them if they choose to have their own kids. I want to be a grandma one day. Like, I have so much living to do. So whenever I, especially when I've heard stories of people that are on the younger end that have lost their lives to this horrible, you know, COVID-19. It's like, I just think, oh my gosh, like, I just can't imagine going right now. I feel like I have so much more to give, not only in my personal life, to my kids, to my husband, to my friends, to my inner circle, but also in my work. I feel like I have more Mm -hmm. to say. I have more to contribute. I have more ways of, that I want to be of service. And I just don't feel ready at all. And if I feel like, you know, that did happen, I think, I don't know if I'd have regrets as much as I just feel like I got cheated somehow. <laughs> like yeah. I just had so much more yeah. living to I'd do. be like, I object. Yeah. Like <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> nope. I know. Well, and that's one of the yeah. things, you know, I lost a really good friend to cancer a few years ago. 
gosh, it was just the, uh, cause he actually died on my daughter's birthday when she was on her second mm-hmm. birthday and she just turned six. So four years ago. And it was just one of those things where I really got that we don't get to choose when our time is up. And I really got that. I feel like I had had a lot of deaths that really made sense in my life up to that point. Whether like my grandparents or people like where they had lived a good long life, and yeah, you know, but I feel like when we watch someone go, that we feel like this does not feel like their time. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. I object, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. This does not seem right to me at all. And when I realized that, it it also became such an inspiration for me. Of you better do what you came here to do. Don't let your song go unsung. What else is there for you to do? How can you be of more service? you know, stop beating myself up, start living the life that I want to live, you know, all of those things that sound so cliche, but it's true. Cliches are cliches for a reason, like, because they're true and they're important. I think especially in our industry and I think because the downside that the coaching industry has become so much more mainstream is that there are some things that get said that have become a little bit just like eye rolling. But at the end of the day, if you take a step back, it really truly is, I think, the reason that you and I fell in love with coaching. Yeah. And and we're, you know, when we were either either saw someone be coached or were coached ourselves, we're like, wait, this is a job? Like, <laughs> I know. We get to have conversations with people that can that have the ability to change their life for the better. Are you kidding me? Like that, that's you know, my, my 2006 self, that was me where I just was like, sign me up. Little did I know I had to do my own work right. and I didn't like that at first. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> but, but I, I think that, yeah, it, it is the things like, like you were saying a few minutes ago, it's like, what truly matters to you? What are you tolerating? What is the bullshit that you're tolerating in your life that you just keep making excuses for that you say that you'll get to it tomorrow that you say, I can't have that conversation with that person. It's too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I think about that. Like if you were on a ventilator, yeah. would any of that matter? No. Like w- would, th- would the excuses matter anymore? Yeah. I think it's so true. And I so agree with you. Like what a privilege to get to have these truth telling, courageous conversations with people and that they signed up for that. Like I just still, I, you know, like I think, I feel like, and I feel like I wonder if you feel this way. A lot of the people that I talk to that have become coaches, especially really successful coaches, I'll say to them, like, I feel like when I found coaching, I was like, that's the name for what I've always been doing. Like there was this feeling of like, oh, that's why I was the friend in high school that people would call and have these really deep conversations with. Yeah, I didn't, that wasn't my experience. No, I I can absolutely understand that that's yours. Yeah. Because I remember when I did the the new intro, when I re-aired your episode over the summer, I I might've said this, if I didn't say it, I was thinking it, that it's funny because as I was describing you, like Amy Ehlers is the most compassionate, like genuinely kind, loving person I've ever met. No one would describe me as that. I don't, think, I don't think anyone's ever described me as that. And that's, I, I'm not mad. No, right. It's just like, that's your superpower. Like I'm enthusiastic. Yes. I have a lot of energy. Like people describe me as like, she's fun. She's, you know, like energetic. And, yeah. Yeah. And that, I love that about me. Yeah. But I, I'm, I was the one who was the motivating one, the inspiration. I was a cheerleader. Yeah. You know, I'm totally. like, I was genuinely trying to get people out of their seats in the stadium <laughs> and cheer for the team. That's just who I am naturally. I'm an yeah. eight on the Enneagram. Yes. I'm just 
like yeah. fiery and all those things. Yeah. And so I think that both of those things make great life. Coaching. Yeah, totally. Well, you are in the way. I am. Yeah. But, but I also think that then people probably came to you your whole life when they didn't believe in themselves, when they needed to be cheered totally. up, like when they like, so it's like your version of coaching it, like you've been doing that your whole life. And then it's like, then you go to coaching school, which who, we both went to CTI. Coaches training. Yeah. CTI, we yeah. both went to CTI mm-hmm. and it was like, finally I had like this whole, I learned this whole toolbox Right. To then do what I had always done, but do it significantly better because then I had the right better. tools. But mm-hmm. like, but I just think it's so funny. I remember in high school, like I was just that kid that would never get off the phone. And my mom, <laughs> it was a constant battle. My mom would be like, oh my gosh, Amy, get off the phone. And then it was like, I finally got my own phone line. That was the big thing so that I wasn't disturbing. Mm-hmm. And then when there was call waiting and then when you could three-way call, it was just like my heaven, you know? And then I'm like, my mom still thinks it's hilarious that I basically basically make a living by talking on the phone with people. Now, of course we do it with zoom and video, but it's like by basically having conversations with people and I make a living off of that. Like she's like, yeah, like you've been doing this your whole life, kid. I'm like, I know. It's a great gig. It's an extrovert's gig. I mean, just what you described with a three-way calling and things like that. You definitely do not need to be an extrovert to be a life coach. Not at all. All different kinds of people in the field. But yeah, I just, I, we kind of got off track there, like getting so excited about life coaching. But what we were talking about, as I remind myself, is just the the foundation of life coaching is about your values. Yep. I always tell people like the two, if I can only teach people two things, it would be the way you speak to yourself and your values. Oh, yes. Because those two things, I couldn't pick one. It would be like trying to choose between my two children. Right. Like I can't. Right. It's two no matter what. Yes. It's the way you speak to yourself and your values. Yes. A number one. Yes. I think that that is so true. And then you bring in the power of a coach and work with someone that's holding you accountable about those things. 100%. Right? And the power of accountability. I mean, I... Mm-hmm. I always, you know, there's all these amazing studies about accountability and how I I can't tell you how many clients have come to me that want to write a book. For example, they have that novel that's unfinished in their drawer and they've been trying to finish it for a decade. And then they put their money where their mouth is. They hire a coach Mm -hmm. and say, I want to finish this project. And then because they've put their money where their mouth is and they have this coach that's then going to check in with them every week or a couple of times a month about that project, they finish it in record time because they finally have the freaking accountability. Right. In a way, it's like we're avoiding shame and humiliation. <laughs> Just <laughs> totally. like whatever works. Totally. Well, speaking of, ri- of writing, you you and I have kind of briefly talked about this. And I, I think that in the self-help world, mm. it's like a thing where in order to save your life, you need to journal. Uh-huh. And I have mixed feelings about it because <laughs> people ask me, they're like, is your morning routine? Like you just like do, what is it called? Um, morning pages. Right. And I'm like, never done morning pages. Yeah. I don't judge people that do it. But I've had like kind of an on again, off again relationship with journaling. What does journaling look like for you? Same, total, samesies, twinsies. Um, but I actually did do morning pages for a period of time when I was in college when that when the Artist's Way book was first came out. It was helpful. It was very helpful at that time too because it was I it was right when I was graduating from college, and so uh-huh. I had just so much to process and had so much fear about like adulting. And so it was just nice to be able to like wake up in the morning, set a timer and just vent. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who was like, I didn't get anything out of yeah, it. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually yeah. a powerful process and it just depends on who you are and what your style is. But, you know, I've gone through periods where I've journaled every day and then I've gone through Me periods too. where I haven't journaled for years. So it just mm-hmm. kind of depends on what's going on. I am such a verbal processor too. 
So I find that talk, like if I can't, like if I could have my way, I would start every day with, um, my, well, I do a little shot of um, vinegar in the morning um, to clear out Better my than whiskey. I know, right? Did you, what, you're like, what is Amy about to <laughs> say? A I was like, I'm like a shot of Jack Daniels first thing. <laughs> like, Kesha, you brush Jack. your teeth with it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. You, you can see why we're friends, y'all, because I freaking love Andrea. <laughs> it's just so good. Oh Sorry. You do your, you okay. do your shot I do of a vinegar. shot of um, coke, raw vinegar. coconut vinegar because I can't have apple cider vinegar right now. Have some water. Then have my decaf coffee. Then do a beautiful meditation. This is my ideal morning. This is like very rarely what happens. <laughs> then I do my morning meditation and then I would have like an hour long phone call with one of my close friends to just talk about I it. I thought that was <laughs> legit your morning situ- morning thing. And I was like, Amy's got her shit together. No, yeah, <laughs> no, I, that's like my ideal. Now, your ideal I, day. I do, okay. I will say I'm religious about my shot of vinegar um, for various uh-huh. reasons. And I do have my water and my coffee. And I also am super into the intermittent fasting. So I don't eat my first meal till between 11 and 12. Okay. I have that. Um, I do usually do some sort of morning meditation, but sometimes it's like hand on my heart, a deep breath. And then I'm, well, especially right now, like all, it's just like everything's out the window right now. And I'm actually, Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, my husband and I are both sleeping in later than we normally sleep in because our six-year-old, her routine in the morning. So this is a perfect thing to let all of you amazing parents off the hook that have this shit down. I mean, she wakes up first thing in the morning. She's the first one in the house. She's learned how to turn on the TV herself. So she comes downstairs every day and watches Frozen 2 by herself in the living room. <gasps> so you get another solid yeah. two hours. So we get like another 90 <laughs> minutes of sleep and she doesn't come up and wake us up. That's her TV time because normally on school days, there's no screens in the morning, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. we're like too busy. So she gets to do that. It is like her heaven. She's in heaven about this whole thing. And so we've been like sleeping in to like eight o'clock, which has been yeah. a godsend, mm-hmm. like silver linings, oh, right? Amongst yes. the craziness. Yeah. 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 I'm the same with journaling. And it's, and it's funny. I think people assume that I journal and write all the time right. because I'm a writer yep. and an author and I go through bouts of it too. And I will say though, it is one of those things where I've never walked away from a journaling session and going, that was a waste of time. Totally. <laughs> so true. <laughs> So true. Yeah. Well, and there's Never. so many different ways of journaling. Like one of yeah. my favorite ways, we talked about morning pages. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one of my favorite ways, because I talk a lot about the voice of the inner mean girl. And then the antidote to that is the voice of the inner wisdom, that voice of truth yeah. inside of you. That was, I'm going to link in the show notes because that's what you talked about. You went into depth in the very first time you were on. So awesome. I'm going to link to that on the show notes for anybody who wants more about awesome. that. Yeah. And one of the things that I love to do is have my inner wisdom write me a letter. So it's Ooh. like, dear Amy, you know, and it's usually mm-hmm. like, dear, amazing, wonderful Amy, you know, whatever. And just remind me of whatever she wants to remind me of in that moment. And that, and usually that can be really short. And like, I always like to say your inner wisdom is your truth teller. So she'll be like, you know, put the drink down, put the guy down, get out of that situation. She's not going to pull any punches, but she's going to say it from compassion and love. And she'll also tell you how amazing you are and remind you to give yourself a break and all of that amazing stuff too. I love that so much. I I had um, Jessica Clark Graham on the podcast a few months ago, and I told everybody that she was someone I worked with last year, uh, and she gave me a lot of journaling exercises. Nice. Some of what, some of which I would come to our session and say I didn't do it. 
um, <laughs> because I was just, it was just hard yeah. work yeah. at sexuality stuff, but mm-hmm. I always did end up doing it mm-hmm. and it was incredibly helpful. But so she kind of reignited my, my love of journaling, but honestly what my journaling looks like sometimes is like two or three sentences. I love that. And I think I'm doing similar to what you're doing is I'm just, I sit for a minute and I just like take a breath, take a beat. And I'm like, what needs to come out? And I just, and it's always something incredibly empowering and never anything that doesn't sound like something my highest self would say. Right. Sometimes it it makes me a little nervous because it's like up-leveling. Yep. Totally. And I just leave it at that. I, I don't need that. to go into more depth and I just, I keep it simple. I love that. Well, but can I ask you a question? I don't even know how much time we have, but can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah it's good. Okay. Um, so I was curious, like I consider myself an author, but I don't consider myself a writer. And I feel like those two things are two very different things. Do, do those, is there a distinction there for you? Do you consider yourself a writer and an author? Do you know what I'm it's talking about? It's funny because, yeah, because it's so funny how everybody makes up different stories about what <laughs> things are. Yeah, yeah. So I consider, like, if you write, you're a writer. Okay. Like, anybody's a writer. Okay. I didn't even consider myself a real author until I had written my second book. Uh-huh. Okay. Because my first book, I had told myself a story that it was a fluke. Uh, really? That I had uh, <laughs> that I had a catchy and novelty brand, right? I mean, who doesn't love your kick-ass life? <laughs> that it was that I just got lucky. Oh, yeah. And it it wasn't until my second book came out and it really kind of caught fire where I was like, oh, I think I might actually, I think I might actually have some talent. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're such an amazing. <laughs> and I told writer. my oh literary gosh. agent, and they were like. Honey, um, you know, obviously they're not going to take me on if they don't think that I'm going to make any money for that in a mean girl voice. Oh my goodness. 100%. 100%. And I've been transparent about that here on the podcast, but I love that you asked that question because to me, being a writer is easier. There are less, there are less qualifiers than there is to be. Yeah. Well, and I guess for me, like I always consider a writer someone where their purest form of expression is writing. Like Hemingway, yeah. Or well, like or like, Emily or Dickinson. like people who journal every day, where they're just like, okay. I cannot live with. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with the production of a book. It doesn't have anything to do whether it's literature or whatever. But it's like a writer is someone who has to write. Like they have to breathe. Like there's just this okay. impulse. And I don't consider myself that way at all. I would much rather have a conversation. I'd much rather be on a stage speaking in front of a thousand people. Like be on my podcast doing my thing. Like. For me, speaking is probably my purest form of expression. But and that's creativity. Yeah, totally. It is creativity. And then it's like an author, but I was like, but I feel like I have something to say that is worthy of like being in book form. So I will sit down and write it and author it. But it's kind of a painful experience for me having okay. to put it into words in that way. There's, uh, there, there's a lot of inner mean girl stuff that comes up for me around it. There's a mm-hmm. way in which... I think I'm okay at it. I don't think I'm brilliant at it. I think I can, I think I'm clear and direct. Like, I don't think I'm a terrible writer or anything like that. Like, it's not an inner mean girl thing. It's just more of a discernment of, I think that there are some people like you and other people who I admire where it's like, there is just this way of what they write that just expresses something that I just admire so much that I don't think I have that Mm -hmm. necessarily. And it's, it's interesting because I think that about other people as well. Right. Like, I think that there are people who are just genuine wordsmiths. Yeah. 
and I don't put myself in that category. Sometimes I'll walk away from a sentence and it'll be like the diamond in the rough and I'm like, oh, I really like that. I think that yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Those are, are rare. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting how our own stuff comes up around <laughs> that. Because when I listened to Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, uh-huh. she talked about how she spent years honing the craft of writing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't. Right. <laughs> Right. And she's such a more evidence that I am not right. Like her. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how intermean girl comes in there. But yes. Oh, there there is that. Well, and I will say like, I love when Martha Beck talks about this. Um, She talks about, I don't like writing, but I love having written, having written. Mm -hmm. I totally can get that. I like both because especially I think when I lost my dad, well, no, it was before. It was, well, it was both when I lost my dad and then the Me Too movement, which they were, those were back to back events. I felt like the combined trauma of that forced me into writing poetry. And I mean, forced me in the most loving way. It really was sort of like my inner wisdom took me by the hand and said, honey, this is the route that we need to go down. And it, it was one of those moments where I don't remember writing some pieces and it, that was one of the only times in my life, except when I was a lot younger, where I felt like this was my way uh-huh. out because I sure as shit couldn't drink right. through it. And so I had to sit down and put on music and just cry my way through the words. And I have looked at pieces where I'm like, I don't, I don't remember mm. writing this. B, this is dark wow. as shit. And C, it is truly what wow. saved me. And those happen yeah. very rarely. I wish I could say, you know, like, what is that Hemingway quote? Like, you just sit down at the typewriter right. and lead. I'm like, come on. Like, <laughs> don't be so dramatic, you drunk person. So right? dramatic. <laughs> yeah, Talk about a drunk. Was. Jeez. But, it, it, you know, these are, the, these are the, the standards than the expectations that we have as quote-unquote right. writers yeah. and authors where, where that – and I don't know if I'll ever get right. that back. Like, do I need to go through some, like, li- near-death experience or life-changing moment? Maybe. Um, I don't want right. that. And I've, I've sat down and tried to write poetry just because it's like a Tuesday and <laughs> I have an hour to kill. Yeah. It's not the same. So I just – I think that writing – and creativity in general, like those kind of projects can come in any different shape or form. And I love that. Yeah. Well, healing. and I think that yeah. the healing, that's such a powerful healing tool. That's incredible. It can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know that you and I could talk for many, many more hours here. <laughs> and, about we will, and we will. And we different topics. <laughs> and we will. We certainly will. And I'll have you Yay. back on. And and again, like if you love this conversation, please go and listen to the other link that I put in the show notes for, for Amy's um for Amy's show. It was episode 293. If you just want to go into Apple Podcasts or wherever and, and grab your grab that show. And funny enough, Amy and I are doing something really exciting and free. And for any of you who, you know, it's not even for people who have like a project or are interested in writing or anything like that. If you just like the name <laughs> together, if you want more of us, we're doing a free Zoom yeah. call and it's top 10 kick-ass list, a list of the top 10 kick-ass ways to get your project done and out the yes. door. Tips actually is what yeah, we're calling it, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, uh, not because we're trying to put pressure on you during this crazy pandemic time. Not at all. Oh, it's, totally the opposite. Yeah. And it's like giving yourself permission to do those things that you want to do and to really find that inspiration if you know, because I, I I know that you believe this too. It's like we want you to be fueled by inspiration, not fear. 
And there's this right. sense of urgency right now happening too. And we see it in our clients. We see it in the world. We see it in ourselves of like, mm-hmm. okay, what am I really here to do? What is it that I really value? What's important to me? And if Andrea and I can help you in some way to get your project done and out the door, if that's what you want, then we're here for you. And project, you know, it could be anything from, because I know there's a lot of you listening who have asked me Mm -hmm. about book writing. You know, you want to start that fiction novel. You want to write that nonfiction book proposal. It it could be big projects like that or start a blog. I still meet a lot of women who want to start a blog and they're like, I have so many things I want to write about and I want to write a blog and and never do it. But it could just be, you know, Amy and I were talking about journaling or writing poetry or processing stuff. Maybe you've always wanted to do morning pages and you just don't have the accountability. Like, come to the call. Like, this isn't just for people who want to write books. It's for people who are interested in getting something meaningful done. That's exactly right. I love that. Getting something meaningful done and and keeping Mm -hmm. their word to themselves. You know, like, there, I feel like that's one Mm -hmm. of the things when people are like, well, how do I build up my self love and self esteem? And I'm like, keeping your word to yourself. That's a huge part of it. Self integrity. Yeah. And so often it's like, well, I'll get to that when, and it's like, well, what if now, what if, what if right now, and what if you say, you know what, Mm -hmm. I care enough about myself and, and my projects or my inspirations or my musings to your legacy. legacy, Mm -hmm. Yeah. To really get it done in some way. Yeah. Take some action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this isn't going to be like, Okay, here's a big giant list of things for you to go and do. (laughs) To make you feel worse about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just come. Just come and hang out with us live if you can. It's April 22nd at 3 Eastern. That's noon Pacific. And if you can't make it, if you are working from home or still going to work or homeschooling or whatever, there there will be a recording. But we would love to be able to see your faces. Or if you don't want to be on video, you don't have to be on video. Um, We'll be there on video. And it's wakeupcallcoach.com slash project. That's Amy's site wakeupcallcoach.com slash project. And there's a link in the show notes. Awesome. I'm so excited for this. I am pumped. You and I have, we just have so much chemistry together and I'm, I'm excited to, to get on the phone with people that, um, that we can serve and, and help them get through this. I know any way we can be of service to anybody right now, just is part of us leaving our legacy and doing the work that we're here to do. So Yeah. I just want to say one more thing too, just for the sake of total transparency. The first week that it was really bad. So that week of March 16th, like, you know, like I came to the group that we're in and was like crying and and feeling, you know, I, my inner mean girl was telling me that I wasn't showing enough up enough for my community. And I was like, I need to be doing immediate zoom calls live holding space for everybody. And I just was like, you guys, I can't even, I was making up all these stories of how I had to show up and 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 really through support from from you and other women in my life, I was able to to walk through that. And my was my anxiety too, like everyone else's. My point is, is that Amy and I slowly and consciously and intentionally figured out something that we're both really mm. great at, that we're super pumped to be able to offer our community. Yeah. And that's this because I've I've never offered anything like this, but I do have people ask me about it. So I'm I'm also delighted to be able to do it with you. Aww, so thank you. I feel the same way You're about welcome. you. You're just 
I don't like doing these things as much by myself. Me neither. (laughs) I'm such like, talk about values, like collaboration, community, connection, like top Mm -hmm. value for me. And so it's so much more fun to do it with someone else and be able to reach more people and be able to really, you know, be of service in that way. And I think that I love that you named that, Andrea, about that. I think we all are having our you know, days when we're feeling the gratitudes about everything that's going on and like seeing the mm-hmm. silver lining and snuggling in with our families. And then we have days where we read another story or we're just like at the end of our rope with juggling yeah. work and kids, if you have kids or whatever it is that you're juggling, or maybe you're alone and you're feeling really isolated right now. And yeah. we just, all of us have our bandwidth. And just so that you know, you allowing yourself to process how hard this is, is not you taking for granted that you're not the one on the respirator or you're not the nurse that's having to go in right now to the hospital again with a mask that is not, you know, new. So there's a way that we can hold that paradox together. There's a way that we can be grateful for our lives, be grateful we have a roof over our heads, be grateful that we're privileged enough to sit here and talk on a podcast right now. And Mm-hmm. also feel the grief and really feel the gratitude for the people that are risking their lives every day. So we can hold yeah. both of those things. 100%. Yeah. Stay home, yes. everybody. You can join us from your smartphone, your computer on April 22nd, wakeupcallcoach.com slash project. And we will see you there. Bye. 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 